This is the FBCG Live Podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, A Study of the Epistle to the Ephesians, Part 4, The Secret That Empowers the Church to Defeat Satan, and Part 5, Breaking Habits. The Lord resides and lives within us. We must understand who we are in the Lord. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Alrighty, we're in the book of Ephesians. That's what we are studying, the book of Ephesians. We're trying to go through this book, not every word and every verse, but we're trying to kick, just get a hold of the key chapters and the key points and the key sections of it. Uh, it is somewhat of an overview, and we're going to dive into some of the specifics of some of those areas today. Uh, so I want you to um, let me just kind of give you a quick review of a structure of the scriptures, of the epistles. Uh, it is divided into two sections. Uh, the first section deals with the position of the Christian, and that's what we're in now. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 3, verse 21, uh, we deal with and talk about the position of the Christian. And I cannot tell you how important that is to understand and comprehend that most Christians fail and falter because they don't know their posture. They don't know who they are. They don't know what place Christ has put us. And for you to have a powerful, effective Christian walk and a powerful prayer life and see God moving spectacularly, spectacularly on your behalf, it's critical that you understand your position in the Lord. And that's what these first three chapters deal with. It's our position in Christ. And then section two of it, verses Chapter four through chapter six deals with the practice of the Christian, what it is that a Christian ought to practice, what it is that a Christian ought to do. What has Christ called for you to do as a Christian? What should a Christian's walk look like? And there's several areas we're going to talk about as we go through chapters four, five and six. Amen. So that's what we're going to deal with. We've already looked at the first chapter and a part of the first chapter and dealt with 10 essential things every believer needs to know to reach their destiny. If you missed that, please get that uh, that teaching today to understand who we are in Christ and what our posture and position is. These are critical things that you got to know. And they become very pertinent to your walk with the Lord. So we did that in part one. In part two, we dealt with <clears throat> the prayer that produces proper perspective. Uh, a lot of people don't look at life the way the Lord Jesus wants them to look at life. And um, what Paul tries to do in talking to the church in Ephesus is to try to give them a clear understanding of what the right perspective is. And we looked at verses 15 through 23 of chapter one for the perspective that the Lord Jesus wants us to have. And we we did and talked about that part three. We dealt with this two last week. We dealt with the key verse regarding salvation. We looked at chapter two and some key verses in chapter two. And let me just nail it down in verse eight and nine. This is an important thing that this speaks about. And everybody needs to notice and understand for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That's highlighted. If that's not highlighted in your body, stick Bible, stick a pen around it. If it's not whatever you need to do, memorize it. That's a key verse you need to understand that we are saved by grace through faith, not 
that of yourself. Nothing you did, nothing about who you are, what your pedigree is, who your family is, what church you belong to. None of that has anything to do with it. You are saved alone by placing your faith in Jesus. And when you put your faith in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, he gives you the grace that saves you. As a matter of fact, verse nine says, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are not saved by any work or any effort of yours, not by being baptized, not by paying your tithes, not by joining the church. All of those things are important, but that's not what saves you. We do those things because because we're saved, not to get saved. Highlight that piece. That's very important. I talk to people so many times when I witness to them and I ask them, are they saved? You know what they tell me? They say, oh, I was baptized or I belong to such and such a church. But that's not the question that I asked. The question that I asked is, are you saved? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus? Have you been born again? That's the question that I want to find out. And that's important that I want everybody to understand. Y'all, I got to drive that down. I got to get that down into the core of your Thought processes to understand verse eight and nine that we are saved by grace uh, through faith, through our faith in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. Our belief in what he did on the cross for us, for us to have a relationship with God. And when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus and believe he died and was buried and rose again and what he did is sufficient for yourself, for, for you to be saved and forgiven of your sins. God does a spectacular thing. That faith saves you. God extends grace to you, forgives you of your sin. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in you and, and, and embarks upon changing your life. And that's the key thing that we got to get people to understand. So uh, that's the key verse that we talked about in chapter two. So now we go to part four. Tonight we're going to go through part four and I'm hoping to be able to even get through uh, part five. Part four is the secret that empowers the church to defeat the devil. This in chapter three, verses one through 12 is critical. I need you to again understand the element of this because ultimately uh, we want to defeat the devil. What is happening in our lives is a lot of people are getting defeated by the enemy. Satan is beating you up and wearing you down. And defeating you and frustrating you and ripping your home apart and ripping your family apart and ripping your marriage apart and tearing your children apart. And that is not the will of God for us when he has made us a part of his family that he resides and lives in us. And we don't know whose we are or where we are. And yet right here in this passage of Ephesians, this powerful church of Ephesus did incredible things for God, for Christ and for the kingdom because they understood who they were. And it's important for you to understand who you are in the Lord. And so in these first 12 verses, the Apostle Paul uh, gives us some keys. So allow me to walk through this, this passage. Walk with me here. Uh, Walk with me here through this. So, so let's look at part number one in these first five verses. Right. Jot this down in the here's here's the first part of this, that God reveals a secret to Paul. It's a secret that has been held and hidden. And it is it is written in the first five verses of the third chapter. And we're going to read that. Let's read that real quick. Here, here's what it says. God reveals a secret to Paul. Here's what it says. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Let me stop. Stop. Stop right there. Paul, even though he was uh, came up in the Jewish faith, 
finds himself with the assignment of ministering to non-Jews. He says, he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ for you, for you Gentiles. And in case you haven't recognized, you and I is Gentiles. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Paul said, God gave me grace for you. He gave a level of grace to me in this time zone for you. How that verse three. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. God by revelation revealed to me and made known to me a mystery. Verse four, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages, verse five, was not made was not made known to the saints of men as it has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Paul says, I'm finding myself with a revelation that God gave me that has been held a secret from for generations, for ages in the past. They, ne they didn't know anything about this. It had not been revealed. But Paul says God has revealed it to me now. He has made it known. And when you read about it, I want you to understand the knowledge that God gave to me about this mystery. How he has made this known now at this season and at this time. So here's the first five verses. He says, I got a secret to tell you. But then he reveals the secret and it is a secret that empowers the church. Get this, you all get it. This is important. This is a secret, he says, that, that empowers the church. Look at verse six. He says, it's one one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. That's number one. He's revealing the secret to the church that there is one God and father of all who is above all. And through all and in you all. He's coming. He's saying, giving us this revelation that God the Father is inside of us. Amen. When you accept the Lord Jesus, he takes residency in you and he lives in you and he's in us all. He reveals the secret to us. This is the secret. And then it goes a little bit further into the secret. This is what I'm excited about is that there's one father and God of of everybody, but yet he now reveals the secret. Here it is. Number one, that the Gentiles are, that's you and I, we're Gentiles. There's some things that applies to the Gentiles that we are fellow heirs. We are heirs. The same thing. Here's what that means. The same thing that the he Hebrews, the same thing that the Jews had promised to them, God allowed us to be partakers of the same promise. We are heirs. We we are we have the, the same privileges and the same rights and the same uh, anointing that God has made available to us. And that is a that's powerful news. I want you to get that in your, your head. Get that in your heart. Galatians three twenty nine. We're not going to turn there, but let me just read it to you. He says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Jot that down. Galatians 3.29. That's what we are. We find ourselves that we are, if we belong to Christ, we are, we are Abraham's seed. All of the promise God made to Abraham, he made it to us. People want to throw away the Old Testament. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. There's some promises in there that God made to Abraham. There's some things that God did for Abraham. We are Abraham's seed. That's what he says right here. And 
the same promises God has made to Abraham are available to you and I. You got to get that in your heart. Get that. Not only that, but we are of the same body. Here's what he says. Everybody who's in Christ is of the same body. Uh, we're many members, but we're one body. First Corinthians chapter 12 talks about that. First Corinthians chapter 12 lays down the highlight of the fact that we are many uh, members, but one body. And we are all of that same body. When you accept the Lord Jesus, we're of the same body. We are, we are a part of the family of God. I know some of you don't understand why that's important. It's important because God is a God who loves unity and oneness. He's a God who loves unity and, and, and oneness. He does. And, and while some people thrive on division and thrive on being their own deal and their own thing and their own person, they don't understand that that's not how God functions. God moves spectacular for people who recognize and understand that they are part of the body of Christ. I'm getting excited. I got to stand up on that point right there because that's what we are. We, we, are, we are one body in Christ. And when we're one body of Christ, God uh, does spectacular for us. He makes amazing things happen for us. As a matter of fact, Psalm 133, God says he commands blessings. He command the, the commanded blessing. When you recognize that you're a part of Christ, we're, the, we're part of the commanded, by, uh, the commanded blessing that he gives to the body of Christ is you and I. And we got to understand that. So we are of the same body. Hold up. And there's a third part here. We are partakers of his promise through the gospel. Because we embrace the gospel, because we accept the Lord Jesus, because we are committed to his word, because we love him and he lives inside of us. We become partakers. We are also a part of, of the promises that he's made. And it's important that you understand that. That's a secret that we, we didn't have this privilege. Before Jesus came, we were outsiders, outcasts, aliens. We were on the other side. We didn't have the privilege. But once Jesus came and died on the cross, he opened up salvation so that you and I could be a part of the body of Christ. And that's a wonderful, that's a powerful, amazing thing that God wants us to understand. Let me, let me keep going because uh, he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says that this, this mystery that he has made known to us, that the church is to make known the mystery in verses 8 through 10. We have an assignment. We have a call. We have a responsibility. We have, we have a, an anointing from God. To make known the mystery. We are to make known to every, to the, to, we're to make known. I, I'm running ahead of myself. I'm so excited. We're supposed to make known the, this mystery. We're to proclaim it. Declare it. Preach it. Shout it. Sing it. Witness. Be a witness to us. That's what our assignment is that God has called us to do. That we are in the body of Christ. Don't, don't ever let anybody tell you that you're not. And we have an assignment to make a proclamation that us Gentiles are a part of the body of Christ. Let's look at verses 8 through 10. Let's look at that. Look at what it says right here. Chapter 3, verses 18. To me, Paul says, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages 
has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. Jesus created everything, but this mystery that has been hidden from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God. Uh, uh, it's been hidden, but now to the intent that now, verse 10, shout on verse 10. Please, I hope y'all, I meant to tell y'all, have your Bibles open on the side. Please read, or have your iPhone, your iPad. Read with me along these lines. Look at verse 10. To the intent that now, Verse 10, chapter 3, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. This is our anointing. This is our call. This is what God has called us to do. This is what God has said for us to do. He says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That we should make known to principalities and powers. You're going to hear me talk about that a little bit later when we get to chapter 6. Principalities and powers. Demons and uh, principalities. Demons that have ranking and authority and power. The devil does have power. But we are to declare to the devil. We're to declare to his demons. We declare, to declare to principalities and powers that we are the children of God and we belong to the body of Christ. We are heirs of God. We're, we have the same promises made to Abraham. We've got the same promises made that are applicable to you and I today. That's our assignment. That's our call. That's our anointing. That's what God is calling us to do and to say. That God has called us to do and say. Somebody look at you, look at somebody and say, I got a, I got a call to make. I got an anointing to say to God. That's what he's anointed me to do and make that declaration. This is what God says. So, so he has given us the assignment and given us the anointing to make that declaration. We are to preach it and to declare it. Somebody say amen. That's the call of God upon our life today. Let me, let me. Give me just a second here. Let me just uh, stop for a moment and uh, make sure I'm giving you all all of the right stuff here. Yes, that's what I'm saying here today. This is a promise that God has given to us to make that declaration. Amen. That's what he said. Uh, and so here we are uh, looking at the fact that we are fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of the promise. Make that declaration. When the devil tries to tell you that you're nothing, that you're not making it, that you're not accomplishing anything, that you're a nobody, here's what he says. Tell him. See, here's what you and I got to do. Tell the devil where, where he going. Tell him what, what's promised to him. But remind him that we, ha we have promises that God has made to us. Yeah, we don't deserve it. We don't get it because of what we deserve. We don't. This is not based on our righteousness, not of works, lest any man should boast. No, no, we don't get these promises because of our righteousness. We get we get these promises based on the blood of Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf. And that's that's a, a profound, powerful thing. And we are to make it known to principalities and powers. Please remember that, saints. When the devil tries to torment you and frustrate you and, and try to tell you that you're nothing and God doesn't care about you and God doesn't love you and you're not going nowhere, you're not going to heaven. When the devil tries to make those things statements to you, be bold enough and courageous enough. Matter of fact, the next part of this uh, in verse 12 says the church has boldness 
and access with confidence. Verse 12, uh, we have the church has boldness and access with confidence. And that's in verse 12. Look at verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence. We, we are boldly going. We have access. He's opened up the door. We go to God in prayer. Y'all hear me say this all the time. Stop. I don't let y'all try to make me y'all's uh, 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 priest in the sense of that you got to come and ask me to pray for you. Oh, no, no. I'm trying to empower you to understand that you can pray for yourself. You have you have boldness. You have access with confidence. Go confidently to God through faith in him. Go to God in faith, believing him. Know that he's a way maker. He that comes to God must believe first that he is and that he is a rewarder that diligently seek him. This go, go in faith with whatever your challenges and issues are. Go in faith to God and talk to him. This is the confidence that we have that he's made us. So this whole section here, this, 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 this passage here is dealing with us understanding who we are. And that's how he closes out here today, wanting us to comprehend the magnitude of who God made us. If you get an opportunity, uh, read the rest of chapter three, where he uh, talks about the fact. Matter of fact, I don't have this in my notes, but let me just I'm a, I'm, I want to just talk about uh, verse number 20. Now to him was able to do exceedingly abundantly. My, one of my favorite verses above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now to him was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. We have such access to God that we can go to him and 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 act boldly and make the declaration to believe that God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or think. If you have if you can, if you got the ability to ask him, the faith to ask him, and if you can think it, if you can imagine it in your mind, that's what that passage means. If you can see a picture of it in your mind, if you can vision it in your mind and in your heart, God has the capacity to make it come to pass. And that's great. You got to get that. You got to understand that. Uh, and so that whole chapter there is that third chapter is trying to get us to comprehend the relationship and how much God loves us and all of the access that he's made available to us. It's a powerful, profound thing that you and I need to know. So get that in your heart. Get that down in your spirit. It's critical and it's key. All right. Let me roll on. Uh, so that's that's part four. And those first three chapters deal with our position in Christ. But now we translate transition into chapter four and part five of this passage. And um, it deals with breaking habits. And let me take a moment and talk about breaking ha habits, because what tears your faith down is your habits, your sins. Here's what makes you have the inability, inability to be able to go to God in confidence like you should because you keep looking at your habits and your failures and your sins and your secrets. But the apostle Paul understood the importance of of these of overcoming these things. So he he spent some time in chapter four uh, talking about breaking some habits. And let's go to chapter chapter four and look at uh, 
verse 17 through 19. Let's spend some time talking about that. Let me take a look at that. Amen. Uh, first of all, he tells us here in verse uh, 17 and 19, he begins by telling us what the cause of the habits are. What causes, what causes us to have these habits in our life? What pulls us down? What is it that's destroying us? What is it that's pulling us down? And he begins in verse 17 and he tells us, number one, is the futility of your mind. I want y'all to really grasp hold of this because this, I feel, is very, very important. Here's what causes it. He tells us, number one, is the, fu the futility of what's going on in your mind. And in verse 17, let me take a moment and let's read verse 17. He says, this I say, therefore... And testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Here's how they walk in the futility of their mind. It is the way they think it has to do with their thought processes. It is their mindset. It is what's going on in their head. And this is the thing that destroys so many believers. It's the way they think. It is what's going on. In their mind. Uh, so uh, what, what, do you, what do you mean by that, Pastor? It, that, that futility means it gives you a, 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 a mentality to cease to care. You don't care about living right. You don't care about how you walk. You just give up and you cease to have a, a, a concern. That's what futility of mind means. It means you cease to have a concern. And that's one of the problems with some of the people today is they, they just don't understand. They don't, they just don't care. You need to care about how you live your life. You need to care about overcoming your challenges and your problems. Because God cares about it, but the futility of your mind means you cease to care. But he doesn't stop there. In verse 18, he says their, their understanding has been darkened. And the enemy wants to be successful in making your understanding darken. And that's what it says in verse 18. Look at what it says. Having their understanding darkened. They're in the dark. They don't, they don't understand who they are, whose they are. They don't understand what they're doing and the impact of it. Their understanding has been darkened. Matter of fact, uh, the text, this word darkened, uh, darkened, and understanding means you've been blinded. The devil has, has made you blind. That you can't even see. You don't comprehend what you're doing. And so many people just are trapped in sin. Trapped and drugged down. And made uh, living their life in a hole. Living their life in the wrong way. In the wrong direction. And they just don't care. And the scripture says they're blind. Their, their understanding has been darkened. They're in a, they're, they're in a place of, of darkness. But hold up. And not only that, it says they are alienated from the life of God. Alienated from the life of God. Uh, I need to talk about this for a moment. Look at what the text says. It says that. They're being alienated from the life of God. Uh, see, see, what gives us victory in our life is our walk with Jesus. But this text says... Here's what gets you in ha bad habits is you're alienated from it. You, you don't have the life of God. 
You're not walking in a walk with Christ. You're not praying and communing and hearing back from him. You are, you are a stranger away from it. Anybody who gets in bondage to sin is not walking daily and in fellowship with God. This is why your devotions, your prayer life, your reading in the word is so important. It is that life with Christ. It is walking with God. If the devil can alienate you and put you on the outside. Matter of fact, that's what he tries to do is alienate you. Make you feel that God can't answer your prayer. God don't care about you. He wants to alienate you. And that's why you get into the habits that you get into. He alienates you from the life of God. And it becomes, unfortunately, the story of so many people who find themselves jacked up and tore up from the floor up because they, they, they cease to care about their life. Un, they've been blinded and they have become, here's what it means, they have become non-participants in the walk with God. They are not participating. That's what, that's what being alienated from the life of God. I'm telling you, if you ever taste living what it's like to live with God and walk with God and have him answer your prayer, you can't go back. It's a, it's a wonderful life. It's amazing. I might be talking to somebody here today who you, you don't have that life. God wants to have that life with you. He's, he's longing to have that fellowship with you. He wants to walk with you. When you're walking with God, he orders your steps. He opens up the doors before you even get there. He's, he's orchestrating the events of your life so you can get in the full purpose of exactly what he's called you to do. Hallelujah. That's what he wants. That's the kind of life he wants you to have. A powerful, amazing life. Of communing with him, fellowshipping with him. It means, it means everything. I, I, you know, carnal people ain't going to find this kind of teaching exciting. They, 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 uh, they don't want to listen to this. They done tuned me off a long time ago. But it's the people who really want to, to see what it's like to live in the life of God. To have Jesus orchestrating their life and ordering their steps and answering their prayers and working miracles on their behalf. And, and doing the spectacular, that's, this is what the Lord wants you and I to have. But the devil wants you to be alienated, and he wants you to be blinded, and he wants you to be a non-participant. But he doesn't stop there. Let me, let me read on verse 18. He says, you're ignorant, I ignorant. <laughs> he said, not only are you alienated, not only are, is your understanding darkened, he said, because of the ignorance that's in them. Ignorance. Underline that word right there. Ignorance. You don't know. Ignorance. That's why Bible study is important. That's why people get frustrated. That's why you can't go nowhere. You, just, you don't know. Stuff you ought to know you don't know. You should know, but you don't. And the reason you don't know because you won't put yourself in a situation to learn. And so, and so, Ignorance is what destroys a lot of a lot of people's lives. They just don't know no better. You 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 should get yourself put yourself in an environment to learn. I don't know where y'all are, but I'm a lifelong learner. I'm in a master's program now. I'm 61 years old and I'm hungry to learn and I'm in a master's program. I'm coming to the end of my journey. I'm coming to the end of my career. But I'm still hungry to learn. I want everything that God has for me to learn. I don't ever want to get satisfied, ever. 
I want to learn as much as I can and do as much as I can. And I'm not just learning from me. I want to pass it on to the next generation. I don't want you to have to make the same mistakes that I made. People say, Pastor, you're so smart. You're such a wise person. I'm wise because I'm smart enough not to make the same mistake that somebody else has already made. And I listen. Some people have a mistake that they won't listen to nobody. Can't nobody tell them anything. They're a God unto themselves. And the scripture says you're you're ignorant. I didn't call you ignorant. The Bible called you ignorant. And I talk to a lot of ignorant people. And it frustrates me because you don't have to be ignorant. You don't have to be. You don't have to. You don't have to. Ignorant means you just don't. You don't know. You won't put yourself in an environment to know. Here's the next part of that verse. It says their blindness of heart. Their hearts are blinded because of the blindness of their heart. So their their understanding is darkened. They're they're alienated from the life of God. They're ignorant. They got ignorance in them. And then it says because of the dark, the blindness of their heart, their heart is blind. Man, this is a pretty sad condition. That's what puts people who got these habits that they can't break. Here's why. Here's how you got there. Here's what, here's what makes it happen. It's all of this right here. He doesn't stop there. I'm acting like I got all day. Let me roll on. And verse 19 says they are past feelings. Who being past feelings, verse 19, they are past feelings. They don't even care anymore. They've lost the ability to care. Matter of fact, I think we started off talking about ceasing to care, the futility of their mind, ceasing to care. And not only that or cease to care, but they're even past having any emotions. They're past the emotional stage. They just don't, they don't want to listen. And they don't want to care. And they, and they don't care. They're past the pain of feelings. And that's, I feel that's tragic and sad. But hold up. Look at what it also says. It says they are lewd. They have lewdness. Who being past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness. Let me tell you what lewdness is. If you have a King James Version Bible, it uses the word lasciviousness. And, and here's what it means. That word lewdness or the, whatever, the Greek word here translated lasciviousness in the King James Version. It means this. It, it means that you have just given over the sin. You're not even trying to fight it no more. You ain't even making an effort. You you just you planning to do wrong. You planning to do what you have no business doing. You making plans. You reserving the hotel room. You 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 making the arrangements to buy the drugs. Lewdness. You, you see whatever whatever wherever you are, saints, in your life with God, in your walk with God, in your Christian journey. Don't ever give over to sin. Don't ever just give in. Don't do it. Don't, don't ever get to a place where you just surrender and say, I don't, I don't care, I'm just going to do it. Don't do it. Don't give over. Don't do it. And that's what lewdness is. You've put, you've put yourself in a posture of lewdness, the scripture says. Don't get in that, don't get in that place. And that's what a habit does. A habit will take you so far out in the sin and drag you out there and 
And, and the danger is you get to a place where you just you don't care, you pass feelings and you just give over to doing whatever it is you're doing. It's a dangerous it's a dangerous place to be in. I'm almost finished. Let me hurry up here because I'm acting like I got all night. Verse 19 says that they will work all uncleanness with greediness. They're greedy. They have a level and a posture of greed. They'll do anything to get what they want. That's what greed is. Greed is you will defraud people. You will trick people to get what you want. Because you want to satisfy yourself, your wants. And the Bible says they're working their unclean behavior fueled by greediness, greed. And it's sad. It's, it's horrific. Is that the call of God? But the great thing about this passage that I got to rush along to is that there are some keys to breaking the habits. The apostle Paul says to the church in uh, Ephesians, there's a way out. And in verses 20 through 32, I, I, I just want to hit the high spots here of what the keys are to over to being victorious. And in verse 21 20 and 21, it says this, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. He, he, he get this. He says, you, you didn't learn this from Christ, but what you have, you've heard from him and you have been taught by him. And what that is telling us, hear and learn from Christ. Get the word of the Lord Jesus. Get the word of God in you. This is what helps you break habits. Is get in the word of God. And I, and, and I don't need to be talking to y'all because y'all here learning. This is the people who are not here. In the jokers that ain't here. It says, he says, learn, learn from Christ. Get in that word. Matthew eleven twenty nine. I'm not going to turn there, but eleven twenty nine says, my yoke is easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Learn from Jesus. Let's get instructions from the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us clarity of directions. He tells us in verse 22. Look at verse 22. I hope you got your Bible right there. He says that you, number one, put off concerning the former conduct, the, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Put off. Somebody say put off. You got to put some things off and your old man is corrupt. And so he says, put that off. Put off the old person. You got you to gotta lay that aside. You got you to gotta make a choice and a decision. I'm not going to continue to walk down that road. I'm going to put it off. I'm going to lay it aside. How do you do that? Somebody said, I don't know how to do that. I've tried that. Here's how you do it. You have to have a renewal of your mind. Boy, I could talk about this for the rest of the night. Remember, you talked about the being bl blind and your understanding being darkened and you being ignorant. It all focuses on if you want the victory. Verse 23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Has a man thinketh, so is he. It is the way you think that changes your, your posture and your behavior. It is your way of thinking. I can't tell you how important that is. Your way of thinking. You got to get your mind in the right direction. You got to think in the right way. Change your mind. Uh, change your mind, your way of thinking. That's the key. Um, 
Y'all got that? Uh, uh, verse number 23. Uh, same thing. Romans 12, 1 and 2 also speaks to that. Uh, be renewed. Have a, and that word renewed means to renovate. Get, you got to have a renovation of the way you think. It's your thinking that will make you think that living your life and walking down this behavior and doing this behavior is okay. You got to change the way you think. And that's what Christ has called us to do is to get in this word, get in the word and change the way you think. Let me go down all of this right here. Uh, he says in verses 24 through 32 to put on to sink. That means to seek, seek into a, a garment, make investments in putting on the new man. Uh, and, and in verse 24, the new man in righteousness and holiness. It says, put on, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on that new person. You accepted Jesus. He made you a brand new creation. You're a new person. Put on that new man. And then it says right here in verse number 25, speak truth. Read verse 25. Look at verse 25. It says this. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Speak the truth to each other. That is, again, the call of God for us is to speak the truth to each other. And he says in verse 26, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't be angry. Bitterness, unforgiveness. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. It is, it is allowing, allowing something to harbor in your heart. That bitterness is the thing that fuels often a lot of people's behavior. And a lot of people sin. But that's not the call of God. He's called us not to do that. Now let me, I'm coming to a close. I'm running out of time. He says in verse number 27, don't give place to the devil. Don't give him the opportunity. When you get bitter, you're opening up the door for the devil to come in. Don't let the sun go down. Try to resolve it in your, as best you can. Don't let the sun go down. Don't let the day in with unresolved issues. It's very important because that's the devil's foothold. You give place to the devil when you give him an opportunity to stick his foot in the door. Give no place to him. Don't give him the opportunity. Don't let him stick his foot in the door. In verse number 28, it says uh, that we should labor so you can give. Learn, learn how to give to other people. Giving has a critical part to your being able to get free. I know people don't know that that's true, but that is true. Labor so you can give. Verse 28. Let him who stole, stole no longer, but rather let him labor. Verse 28. Working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Serve that you can help others be what God wants them to become and, 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 and accomplish. Verse number 29. says, speak grace. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but... What is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Impart grace. Speak kind words. Don't let corrupt words proceed out of your mouth. Stop cussing. Ooh, I felt that conviction. 
but speak what is necessary, what edifies, what builds people up, he says. That it may impart grace to hearers so that you can extend to others grace. Then he says in verse number 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, verse 30. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, do it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't resist him. Whatever he tells you to do, do. Do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. That's what we want you to do. Now, let me close with this one. Verse number 32. This is my final point. It says in verse 32, be kind to one another and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. Matter of fact, there's two points here I want to make. He says, don't be kind to one another. And he says, also forgive others. Look at that list. Don't give place to the devil. Labor so you can give. Speak grace. Speak what you speak to other person. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Be kind to one another. Treat each other with kindness. And then forgive others. Don't let, don't, don't allow unforgiveness to harbor in you. In the same way God forgave you, you, you forgive others. God forgave you your dirty behavior, your nastiness. God forgave you. You got to learn to forgive other people. Somebody say, well, Lord, uh, why do we have to ask God for forgiveness? No, you don't. God has already forgiven us. All of us have been forgiven. In our prayer, we affirm the forgiveness of God. We acknowledge that we know what our sin is to God. And we thank him. We thank him that he has made our forgiveness available to us. That's what God wants us to know. Please get that in your spirit. I want to take a moment and pray for you tonight. I gotta, I, I'm grateful that this is the, the plan of God for everybody. And I pray in Jesus' name for each of you today to be free from every habit that you be able to have the victory from everything that holds you down, everything that takes you down the wrong path. I want to pray in Jesus' name that each of you go back and read through these verses, chapter 3 and 4, so that the very power and presence of God can empower you to be everything that Christ wants you to become. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins, Sr. When we understand who we are in the Lord, He will reveal to us the secrets to break sinful habits. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.